it's November, and we all know what that means. It's almost the end of the year. So with that, we celebrate the last two months with holidays. The beginning of the winter, and we watch a traditional premium live event called Survivor Series. Welcome back, Wrestling Geeks. This is episode 68, and this episode is coming to you exclusively from Under the Apron. I'm Ernie, and alongside me is the two-time armchair world wrestling booker of the world, one half of the Attitude Era Wrestling Review. I was just on his show with his tag team partner. Y'all heard the episode a few days ago over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend Drew is in the building what is up, everybody? Howdy. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Hey, Drew, welcome to the show. Welcome to Under the Apron, or it's from Under the here. Apron. We don't know how to say it. It is dark in here. Uh, uh, daylight saving sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you you seem to love it. As WWE Hall of Famer once, HBK once said, it's like another world down here. How you doing, Matt? Yep. <laughs> oh, doing pretty good. Been up since five or six o'clock. I lost track. My daughter didn't turn her alarm clock off, so I've been awake for a while. Oh, that's freaking great. That's great. You had you had coffee? You were allowed to drink coffee. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're, yeah. As many of you heard last week, we got a request from a listener, Nick Opalewski. He messaged me and asked me to review an episode of WWF Superstars of Wrestling from 1993. I enjoyed it a little bit, did the episode, and I guess he enjoyed it so much that he asked for another request. And that is a review of Survivor Series 1990. Uh, Drew, without giving much away, and before you watched it, what did you remember about that show? and Undertakers. Uh, we all remember that. <laughs> That's all we remember. Honestly, that is the only thing that is the going in Undertaker's debut. I knew about the egg. That was the only thing I re- I knew. Because <laughs> the Sam thing opens with an egg. I was like, ah, oh, it's the Undertaker's debut. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I had we- forgotten that those were the same thing. I knew of both of them, but I had. Somehow my brain forgot that they were both at the same time. And I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. Greatness and an egg. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, my God. Like, okay, cool. That's an egg. It is an egg. We all know where this is going. So we are going to get through that pay-per-view. But first, I'm sure our listeners, as well as Nick Opalewski, hope he don't mind, Who's listening right now would like to get to know a little about about you. So let's run this quick rundown in what I like to call the cloud of questions. Are you ready, sir? 
Well, I got to know a little bit about this answer yesterday or the other day when I was in your um, podcast. Well, without me, you didn't get much away, but you know, let's let's dive right into it. What got you into wrestling? Well, a lie. Um, <laughs> funny enough, um, I was in science class, and it would have been seventh grade, eighth grade, eighth grade. I'd been in science class in eighth grade, and the three boys sitting behind me were talking one November. They said, oh, my God, did you see what happened at Survivor Series last night? And one of them tapped me short, like, did you see it? Did you hear about it? And I went, yeah, totally. That was that was awesome. And they're, they looked at me weird, and I'm like, uh, uh. So I went home that night, and I asked Mom, I said, can we watch wrestling on TV tonight? And she said, sure. And we found it on the old TV God, um, and I turned on Raw that night, and the rest is pretty much history. So my very first time ever watching wrestling was the Raw the night after the Montreal screw job. Oh shit! Nineteen ninety seven. What a time that, to get into it. And you said it was awesome. <laughs> I was like yeah, that. I didn't have a clue. I was lying. I was trying to fit in. This is the reason they were looking at you for like, how can you think a man getting fired was awesome, sir? How? Why? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Follow up question from that: What was your first pro wrestling memory then? Uh, well, my first pro wrestling memory. Well, I mean, long the. Not really the f well. I mean, I remember watching it, and then I realized. And then we found. Then I found out like a few weeks later when they were talking that there was another show on the other channel. Then I started going back and forth. But my real first impressionable memory would be probably oh six seven months later. We all got together at my friend's house, and we would all you know pitch in a few bucks and buy pay per views. I easily remember we bought one it was 1998 yeah there's this there's this match between the undertaker and this big steel cage thing and something went down um yeah that's really my first memory is when all of us were sitting on the couch and just jumped up and started screaming when mankind flies off the cage damn by god we were in middle school and you know we didn't we knew it wasn't exactly the most up and up real kind of legit thing but you know we kind of had you know we didn't know exactly where the line was and we all legitimately thought undertaker just tried to kill that man he almost broke him in half i heard Wow, that is yeah, like a vivid memory for you. Then that's that you're never gonna forget that one. That is that is nope. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, since then you've been watching Raw and Nitro. What can you say has been your favorite wrestling promotion from all those years of watching? All the years of watching, I forgot to put them all together. My favorite, like, just between those two or anywhere, anytime? Anywhere, anytime. 
uh, easily. Smoky Mountain Wrestling from Tennessee and Kentucky in the early 90s. Easily by wow. far my favorite. Old school Southern wrestling. Logical. There it is. Some big names before they were big. They, well, went to other companies. Um, great, great wrestling. If you've not cool, seen it, cool. I um, what? it was on YouTube. I should have copied them off of YouTube, which is illegal, but yeah, you know, whatever. I would love to see it come out on the network, but, you know, reasons. Yeah, very much reasons. Um, you run a podcast with your friend, and it's called the Attitude Era Wrestling Review. And being on it already, I was vibing. What made you want to start your own podcast and the topic be the Attitude Era? Arnold would just talk about it all the time, and we said, what the hell, let's hit record. <laughs> Pretty much. That was about it. We got tired of watching modern stuff because neither one of us care, care for it at all. And we just said, you know, we talk about this all the time. Let's just go back, pick a point to start, and just watch that and talk about it every week. And we did, and I think, and I think me and you recorded a – episode 113 last night so we've been going through her we started at king which anybody in any wrestling history buff knows is the team promo well, this is awesome 16 promo and we made the case that that really was the first start of the attitude era it wasn't full blown on kicked over But as we went through and watched, if you go back and listen to our podcast, available on all podcasts and platforms, you can see when we'll through the points when we go through every week, you can see the just a little, little more edge to it. Here it comes, here it comes, and it finally just gets blown wide open. It was Austin 316 says, I would whoop your ass. <laughs> like, I, I remember that <laughs> one too, just from that moment on. <laughs> Yep. Um, that's most definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, it's most definitely one of my favorites. Um, your top five male wrestlers of all time, current, past. Who? Um. Oh, off the top of my head, you want from bottom to top or top to bottom? Wherever you decide. Just top start... so just five of them. <laughs> we'll st- what is it? It's just five of them. Uh, any company also. Right, well, um, favorite of all time is The Rock. I'm a big fan. Even when he was Rocky Maivia, you could see his potential. Loved him. Number two would probably be Austin. Three, um, probably be maybe, let's see, Bret Hart has to be up there. Shawn Michaels, take, can't stop at five, man. That's like asking me to pick me Huh. Um, I... <laughs> Keep going. Go for it. You go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I consider okay. usually when I do these lists, I'll put a tag team is together. A rock and roll express. Mid- but Midnight Express is my favorite tag team of all time. I love the New Age Outlaws. I thought they were really cool. Uh, Harlem Heat can't go wrong with them. Oh man, I could sit here all day oh, and yeah. just. Uh, there's just, especially from this era, and if you want to go older eras, um. I can't new if I had to pick like one person today that 
There's really only one that I could say that I would turn on the TV to watch, but even then it's not worth watching, is I love Maxwell Jacob Friedman. That dude is gold in everything he does. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, most definitely he is. He, uh, he's a favorite around here. Uh, all right. Uh, favorite theme song ever. Favorite. You sure have many of those, right? There it is. <laughs> Your ass better call somebody. Yeah, that's do, that's do, my favorite. Do, do. Yeah, that's <laughs> and if you want to consider that a theme song, is the music irrelevant? It doesn't matter what's playing behind it. It's just Brian Anderson. Yeah, it's just audio. Brian. Adam. Yeah. Where are we calling? Favorite of all time. It, the second would probably be the second Undertaker theme. I like it. it. And if I had to go top three, would probably be the early '98. Do you smell the rock? Oh wow! There it is. Yes. Yeah. Was it okay? So was it? Do you smell or can you smell? Because people have been asking that question a lot. Is that one of those Mandela effects where I'm remembering it wrong? But I always yeah. thought it was. Yeah. I, always thought, I always thought it was. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Yes, and then um, Mandela effect. Yeah, and then somebody has said, "It's like, are you sure? Uh, do you smell or is it? Can you smell?" Like I remember it was, "Do you smell?" He's asking, "Do you smell?" It's not, "Can you smell?" Yeah. So like I've, I'm like yeah, pretty much. I've had to go back once. It's like yeah, it's do you smell? People just yeah. remember it differently. That's yeah. This is like now you got to go back. Oh, I'm on YouTube looking it up. I'm like, do, do I? Re- yeah, it's do you smell what the rock is cooking? Awesome. Yeah, okay. Just making sure I'm not going crazy here. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? There it is. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, cool. Do you See? Smell? It's not can you smell, it's do you smell. So we got that a- answer correctly. Everybody else is just like, I remember it, can you smell? It's like, no, it's do you smell. Yeah, it's do. Do not can. Do not can. There is no uh, can, only do. Exactly. Do to do. Uh, favorite live event you've ever been to? Have you been to one lately? I, uh, I, I might get ostracized for this, but I have actually never been to a live event. I almost went to one and something happened. Didn't get to go. It was about five years ago, but there's just not a lot around where I live. I would have to travel like a couple hours to get something. I live in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Oh, all right. To- Know where I live? I'll give you a dollar if you can guess how many stoplights my entire county has. Oh shit! Um, one. You're one too many. One too many? What? We have zero zilch, nada. We have a blinking yellow light in the middle of town at a four way. Uh, the only one that works. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the only one we have. Yeah, it just blinks yellow. It's a four way stop sign. And it just has a blinking yellow light. There's no red light. 
great. <laughs> oh, in the middle of nowhere. It's like it's better than living in parts unknown. <laughs> uh, one of my one of my bucket lists before I kick it is I want to go to a Royal Rumble. That's my that's my goal. I'm going to do that in about the next two or three years. Oh, that's awesome. It'd be a really great thing to do. Just be like ten, nine. It's like the yellow out, man. Like and of course, most people live, pick WrestleMania. Get... Nah, it's too many people. I like the Royal favorite event of all time. I've not watched one. I watch them every year. Love them. It's my favorite thing. Pat Patterson should be in the Hall of Fame six or seven times just for that alone. And then you've got you who live in the middle of we get every big show on the planet. Jealous. <laughs> uh, favorite faction of all time. Mm. Oh, favorite faction of all time. Probably 2001 WCW, the new. Bl I'm just kidding. I can't even say that without. Wow. I'm, oh I'm my lying. God. God, no. Um, <laughs> Probably version two of Degeneration X with version two with Trips, China, the Outlaws. Oh, that's true. okay. Yeah, probably I keep forgetting that. That's like, I keep forgetting that's a version two. And or if you want, and that didn't last very long, the absolute original four of the NW three of the NWO. Hogan, Hall, and Nash. If they would have kept it at that, that would have been the greatest thing ever, but they got way too overinflated with the NWO Goon Squad, and it just went downhill from there. But if they would have kept it the original three, that would have been my favorite of all time. Because for like the two months, it was just them three. That was gold, and they couldn't do wrong when we reviewed. Mwah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of perfect. Um, since the start of ninety, or since the start of the screw job, what has been the, your favorite storyline since then? No, no. no. Oh okay. fuck! Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just we kidding. Oh my. Favorite story of all time? Mm. May Young giving birth to a hand. Um, nah, okay, nah, I, you're you're trolling again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure am. Um, I'm gonna just simply go the overall Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon from like '98, '99 on over through you know until they stupidly decided to turn him heel, but. Up in the whole Austin, man, that was just perfect to me. Oh, hey, at least you didn't pick Claire Lynch. Was... Yeah. And I probably, I'm one of those people, I see everybody hate it. I was a big fan, and I could, another good faction that I could probably put up on the list that I personally liked until Vince became part of it, but I like the the corporate ministry and just the ministry with the Undertaker. I thought that was I always enjoyed that, but I know a lot of people poo poo it. But I always thought I always found it entertaining. It was, 
the guy, the corporate also, corporate ministry was right there above the, um, with the NWO and DX. So it's like, oh, that's what I remember most about um, 90, 97, 98, all that stuff. I like there is another underrated faction. Nation of Domination? With The Rock? Yes. Or just the without Rock, him? The Rock, the Rock, Farouk, uh, D-Lo, comma, you know, that right up until they, well, I mean, I can even make the case after they kick out Farouk, but I liked it better with Farouk. Ron Simmons is absolute underrated. I know people could say, underrated, he's in the Hall of Fame, he's a WCW champion. Dude's yeah. underrated, I'm sorry. All right, so um, if you were in a wrestling promotion, who would be in your wrestling stable tag team um, best friend? So I'm a wrestler or I'm a promoter? Would, I'm a... And uh, you're a wrestler and you have, you know, you have friends, but you also have a stable ready to go. Like who's in your stable? Fantasy, Which, any like, wrestler, any any wrestler, any generation. I can pick them from like multiple, yes, multiple things. Okay, all right. How many do I get? Three, four. Uh, whenever to the stable, I leave five. Okay, six. so me that'd be one. Um, I'm going to pick Arn Anderson as the enforcer in my group. I'm going to pick the Midnight Express as my tag team. And oh, as a as a lackey, I'm going to pick who am I gonna pick as my lackey? Need a com- comedic lackey. Uh, you put me on the spot here. Um, shoot, who am I gonna pick as? Um, maybe underrated as could be a comedic. Oh, no, no, I don't want to pick him. I'm trying to think who Stevie Richards is a comedic lackey. Yes, he is. That'll be my stable. That that is an awesome stable, with the whole um, Stevie Richards in there too. Yep. Oh, it's great. Uh, what would your entrance music be? My entrance music. Oh, whew. Well, I'm going to definitely have to be a sarcastic heel, so I want something that people don't want to listen to. So my entrance music is going to be My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Holy shit. Just to annoy people. Just to annoy people. Or maybe the old right to censor music with the old (laughs) bell klaxon going off. One of the two. Maybe I'll just play them both at the same time. Wherever you are, I believe that's the heart
Not bad. Okay. <laughs> and finally, what wrestler mm-hmm. is on your bucket list? It's it's good. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious too. Like I was like I'm not gonna watch. <laughs> I'm gonna skip the entrance. Like no. All right, let's team wrestle. Oh my god. Yeah. Here I just walked to the ring wearing like <laughs> flare robes. Oh shit. <laughs> we need the um what's it called? Uh John Morrison's little air thing, the wind. Yeah. And there uh, you have it. it's like <laughs> I mean two of the most over wrestlers in history use classical music. Uh Macho Man uses pomp and circumstance and Flair uses um Oh, shoot, can't think of the name of it. Uh, thousand two thousand one, yeah, two thousand one, yeah. Space Odyssey or yeah, yeah. So I mean, hey, Celine Dion. I'm picking Celine Dion. <laughs> All right, what was what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what wrestlers on your bucket list to meet? Oh, that's that is very easy, Mr. William Regal. I want to shake that man's hand for being the greatest heel in wrestling history. Oh damn! That, yes, he is. Has been the greatest heel in the wrestling history. So, I, that is my goal in life, and I don't want it to be like a meet and greet. I just want to meet him somewhere and shake his hand. Like, thank you, sir. Okay, we're good. We're done. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, you killed it. You came in and you ran our gauntlet. Thank you for doing that. You're one of the few gauntlet survivors. Sweet. You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, AB. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We're taking a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar, but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser-known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the down right ugliest sides of society if you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast you can rate me on spotify you can also leave a review and rating on apple podcast you can follow me on twitter and instagram at murdered underscore mama all of these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast if you have any case suggestions please send them my way you can send them to the email address mama murdered a podcast at gmail.com Hey guys, this is Ernie. We're going to get to the next segment in a few, but let me tell you about Dark Fade Creations, okay? Dark Fade Creations would like to invite you to a new and unique experience in candles and wax melts. They hand pour and create every single product using quality, clean, and safe ingredients. Their candles are fueled with romantic wooden wicks and made with a coconut soy blend of waxes for a safer, cleaner, and longer burn. 
The designs are unique and beautiful, but more importantly, they smell absolutely amazing. And the variety of fragrances have something for everyone. Hand poured in Grass Valley, California. Check them out at darkfakecreations.com. Link of the site in the show notes below. And speaking of surviving, Ooh, friend, of, yeah, friend segue. of the, yeah, segue, friend of the podcast, Nico Poluski handed me the task of watching Survivor Series 1990 and reviewing it. Oh, so I asked my friend Drew over here to watch it with me also because why not? Let's all say hate Nick. me. No, not really. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You had me watch two. Uh, had an hour and a half of mini wrestling, so eh, okay. I, no. <laughs> well, it's like yeah. hey, if I'm doing this, I'm gonna do this for you. <laughs> it's like I didn't think yeah. it would be that bad, and then I watched those. Like, oh damn, dude! I I apologize, sir. That happens. So let's all thank Nick for this one. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> thank you, Nick. Um, what we're gonna do at the very and at the end of every match, borrow a bit from your podcast and grade these matches. Tell the audience how you usually do that. Oh, so on the Attitude Era Wrestling Review podcast, available on all podcasting platforms, when we watch a match or a segment, at the end of it, we give it a letter grade just like school. And they usually go this sort of this way A is it's great, B is it was good, C is meh. It was there. It was something. wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. D is, oh my God, this is bad. F is, F it, get it off my TV. This is Disco Inferno level bad. Or mini wrestling bad. Well, yeah. That's just fast forward. <laughs> fast forward. Uh, usually at the end of the... The pay-per-view, however, we will grade this entire pay-per-view and do what myself and my co-host would do for WrestleMania season, and that is usually we would record these pay-per-views in the 90s and VH on VHS and take them to school with us the next day, and then we let our close friends that don't have cable borrow them. Uh, we wouldn't get them back until Friday of that week, so that would mean like it'd be passed around from friends to friends to friends of a friend of a friend. It's like, damn, dude, Like, when can I get my videotape back? <laughs> Tape traders. If, yeah, a tape lost art. Tape distribution. Like, ooh, I know a lot of people that we that um, that done that, and we're trying to get them on the show as well. So our version would be: Would you take this to school and let your friends borrow it, or would you tell them to skip it and wait until raw that night to find out the results? Some people, some pay per views, we've said that that we would tell them to fast forward the entire tape until they get to a specific match. Others, we said like, dude, just give it to me when you're ready because it's a freaking doozy. <laughs> yeah, all right, we kind of have sort of the same thing, but ours is always for the go home. Sh- and we'll pretend we're fifteen again and say, are we asking mommy and daddy for this pay per view, or or is it one of those we'll split with a friend? Oh, same thing. Damn, yeah. Yeah. It's like something that myself and Michael have done in our high school years. Yep. Uh, 
so yeah, Survivor Series, uh, November 22, 1990, on Thanksgiving Day, it happened at the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. Nobody remembers this event unless you mention the two things that happened here. It was the debut of The Undertaker, who was on to have a 30-year career in the WWE before retiring at last year's Survivor Series and getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this past March. The second thing this show gets remembered for is the damn fucking egg that's being shown only for the thing to hatch. <laughs> and out comes the fucking gobbly, gobbly gooker. Which we all know now that it was Hector Guerrero underneath cost- that costume from the Guerrero family. Eddie Guerrero, if you know Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero's brother, basically. <laughs> and since this was also 1990 and it was all the old generation when these matches used to be four on four elimination style. Another thing different about this year is that the winner of all these matches would end up beating each other in the main event for the ultimate survivor match. Is that what they call the ultimate survivors? Like I was like, all right. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Commentators for this match were Gorilla Monsoon and Rowdy Rowdy Piper, which I believe you love that because you're not a big fan of what you're listening to now. <laughs> I hate Vince McMahon on commentary. Oh my God, is he bad? I will, I will die on that hill. I will fight you if anybody says different. He is the worst commentator. Well, I was going to say in history. He is the second worst commentator in history. The second worst. Who's the first? The that idiot with a mask on AEW. Oh, jeez. God, he's, he's Excalibur. There he is. Whatever. <laughs> moron. I moron with a mask is all I can remember because why is he wearing a mask? But anywho, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> Just shouting out the names of things that nobody cares or spouting out rant. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. But Vince McMahon is terrible. Uh, the first match of the night, the Warriors, the Ultimate Warrior, Hawk, Animal, and the Texas Tornado, the team versus the perfect team, Mr. Perfect, Axe, Smash, and Crush from Demolition. Uh, the Warrior team did a promo for the match, which consisted of a lot of yelling. Shocking. Uh, that's what it was all about back in the 80s and 90s. A lot of yelling and not understanding what the hell Ultimate Warrior would say. Uh, Ultimate Warrior in the match eliminated Axe from Demolition within the first three minutes. That left Smash and Crush to work as a tag team. Um, for some reason, Hawk from LOD kicks the ref in the gut and the ref decides to disqualify LOD in Demolition. What the hell? <laughs> it's like, I did, just okay. That that was weird. Uh, the match turns two against one. Perfect has to face Texas Tornado and Ultimate Warrior, but Warrior asked for Bon Eric first to go in. Like, I love that. Perfect is fumbling all over the ring, getting beat up by both Warrior and Texas Tornado. A perfect plex takes out Tornado and try to do it on Warrior, but he kicks out of it. 
you see Perfect trying to punch Warrior, but he starts hulking out himself. Uh, hulking out was a big thing back then. I uh, I don't know why Warrior has it also. It's like, no. Uh, forgot how simple these matches were back in the day when all you had to do was a splash, an elbow drop, or a leg drop, and end the match. Warrior hits a flying shoulder tackle and ends the match with a splash for the win. Cool. You just described both moves he knows how to do. Exactly. And a clothesline. <laughs> yeah, that's the oh, sorry, I forgot the three. Three, that's... and then uh, lifting up Bobby Heenan, throwing him on the ground, and breaking his back. Oh, that yeah. poor man. Yeah, if you can't tell, I do not like Ultimate Warrior. I don't. Never. I don't either. <laughs> Just never like, have. Damn, dude, you're an unsafe person to work with. Uh, all sizzle, no steak. He's all flash, no bang. He's he's an entrance to the ring, and that's about it. Uh, grading this match a B minus. I would have loved to have seen the Legion of Doom and Demolition face each other here. But it was mostly Ultimate Warrior chewing the scenery on this match. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize until I started watching this that this was nothing but Survivor Series matches. I didn't realize that. I thought it was just, you know, the way I'd seen it for so long, where it's just a couple at the end. Um, spoiler alert: I don't like Survivor Series matches. Never have. <laughs> I don't, especially these, and these are really egregious because it kind of exposes the business a little bit, even back then, because these people are losing in like two minutes. It does. Um, but it is what it is. I didn't care for this one. Um, and it was okay until Warrior kicked out of the superplex, or the perfect plex, because right then they lost the crowd. They sat down, didn't give a hoot about the rest of it, because once that happened, they knew Warrior was winning. And I knew it going in because he's the champ, he's in it, so it's either going to be he gets DQ'd for some reason, which doesn't make sense because he's a face. But I knew he was going over in this one. I think everybody there knew it too. And once he kicked out of Mr. Perfect's finish, yeah, he's going over. So they lost the crowd, and it just kind of went downhill from there. Um, This just is going to get a C for me. It was there. It kicked off the show. Probably not the one I would have started with, but I mean, I guess they wanted, and I'll give I'll give Warrior credit. His entrance was over. He was over. He's just when you go back and look at it and realize it's smoke and mirrors. He's a lot of will try to hide everything he can't do and just show you the things he can. And I hope that gets over. And it did early night, late eighties, early nineties. Now later down the road, no, it doesn't. It it doesn't get over at all. But yeah. This, see, it was there. It was there. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's B minus C around there. Uh, second match of the night, million dollar man, million dollar team. I'm sorry. Uh, versus the dream team. The million dollar team consisted of Ted DiBiase, of course, from the, the million dollar man, honky tonk. Man, Greg Valentine, and a mystery partner. The dream team was Dusty Rhodes, Coco Beware, Bret Hart, and Jim Neidhart. This match only lasted 13 minutes and 54 seconds. Ted DiBiase comes out and introduces his mystery partner, The Undertaker, who replaced Bad News Brown, who left because Vince McMahon had failed to make 
Brown, the first African-American WWF champion. Hmm, I wonder whose fault it was. Hogan. Anyway, um, (laughs) not going to work for him, brother. Uh, The memorable moment during this match is watching The Undertaker come out and Piper saying, Look at the size of that hemhawk! Um... Bret Hart and Nightheart both said nope when they had the taste of the Undertaker and let Coco Beware be the sacrifice for the first tombstone ever in the history of the WWE. A lot of tags between partners during the next four minutes. Nightheart comes in and power slams Hockey Talk Man for the pin to take him out. Virgil distracts Anvil and Ted hits a clothesline on Anvil to take him out. A weird finish on that one. Or, like you said, it was just. Like, a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. Undertaker pins Dusty Rhodes and kicks him out, which he gets attacked by Brother Love. Dusty gets back up and goes after Brother Love, which distracts Undertaker and goes after Dusty himself. Um, during the scuffle, I notice a younger Shane McMahon as the outside referee who counts out Taker. Like, uh, okay, cool. This leaves Bret Hart, whose schoolboys roll up Greg Valentine for the win. Ted DiBiase and Bret Hart have a one-on-one match that lasts at least for five minutes. I would have loved to see a longer match because that five minutes were freaking amazing. Um, or anything in the late 90s that would have been on Raw. That would have been amazing just to see. Ted DiBiase wins by reversing a crossbody roll-up from Bret Hart, who gets up after getting pinned and mouths off the words, Fuck. I love his disappointed looks whenever he loses. Yeah, I love I I, that one. (laughs) I love Bret Hart whenever he wins, but, you know, he wins. But when he loses like this, he has that disappointed dad look. And then, like, you read his lips like, damn, he said it. (laughs) Looking back at this paper, you have to come across side stories that you never heard of before until you dig deeper. Apparently, the day before, Bret Hart's brother, Dean, passed away. So he dedicated this match to his brother in the same match The Undertaker debuted in. So there's that bit of coincidental trivia. Who'd you face? Some guy named The Undertaker? Damn, dude. (laughs) Yeah, a little... not. Yeah. (laughs) I love how these matches are around. Yeah, right? Like I saw that. I was like, oh shit, what? (laughs) I love how these matches are around 15 minutes long and they all float so well. This one flowed nicely. Once you get to that Bret Hart versus Ted DiBiase match, you just wait for that ending. I'm giving this one an A, only because the Undertaker was there and Bret Hart can do no wrong. All right, I'm going to go through and tell you everything that I didn't like about this match. First off, um... Undertaker's first theme was always a little weird to me. I like that when they cleaned it up and got his second theme, I think it's much, much better. Um, Brother Love was always a weird choice for me to come out with The Undertaker. I think he would have just been better off coming out by himself at this point until we could find Paul Be- Percy Pringle and get him with him, a.k.a. Yeah. Paul Bear. Um, why did Taker get counted out in this? I do like the fact that he came in just absolutely demolished everybody. But if you're going to do that, put him in another match where he can just win the whole thing by himself. Get him, smash him over if you want to. The count out seemed weird. 
I don't like that DiBiase were just one clean instead of cheating against Bret Hart because he does have a belt on him. I mean, Ted technically does too, but it's not a real one, so whatever. That being said, uh, this gets an A. For the simple reason is, my rule is if there's something that, in this case, 32 years ago still gets remembered and is historically important, and this is the Undertaker's debut. He'll be around for many, many years. It gets an A. I, I mean, it wasn't a bad match overall. Out of all of them, I think it was probably the best one. I love, I love Dusty, Brett, Jim. I love the Honky Tonk Man, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Fight me. Yes. Uh, Ted DiBiase could still go in 1990. Um, Taker, do we need to say more? Uh, uh, I love that DiBiase's there, but please, for the love of God, I wish I could go back 30 years and hit him in the head with a hammer and say, get rid of Virgil. Oh, my God. <sighs> He's terrible. <laughs> but anywho, other than that, it was still a decent match, um, but it gets an A because Taker's in it, and it's his debut. And But who would have thought seeing that guy walk out, the, oh, my gosh, this is goofy. He's kind of creepy looking. Anybody there sitting there thinking, well, this guy's going to be around for 30 years. I didn't definitely see that. Won. Never. <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely NA on my book. Um, the visionaries consisting of Rick Martel, Warlord, Paul Roma, and Hercules face the Vipers, Jake the Snake Roberts, Jimmy Snuka, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Gennetti. That's the Rockers. The match lasted 1742, 17 minutes and 42 seconds. Longest match of the night. And wow, um, going into this, I didn't know that Jake the Snake Roberts lost his vision to due to Rick Martel because he was wearing a he, he had a white eye on his like oh shit a white contact on his what was it left eye? So yeah, I had like, to look that up. <laughs> so reading into it, so yeah, so reading into it, um, Rick Martel drew. Uh, some form of substance into Jake's eye, his little cologne shit that he usually has in his hand. And he lost his vision, I think. Yeah, does he lose his vision? And, like, he goes to WrestleMania and faces uh, Rick Martel, which is a thing of beauty because it was in a blindfold match. Um, which you the- can clearly see their, through their blindfolds in that match. I remember that one. Yeah, pretty. That's definitely it. Uh, the clean sweep of the night. Marty Jannetty gets eliminated first by the Warlord. Uh, Rick Martel of all people takes out Jimmy Snuka. Like, what? <laughs> Rick Martel took out Jimmy Snuka, and Jimmy Snuka's supposed to be the. Okay, I guess he got. Um, sure. Yeah, because Jimmy Snuka is usually the one taking people out. Wow. Too soon? Not really. Go for it. <laughs> Didn't want to say it, but you said it more than me. So let's go. Uh, Paul Roma pins vintage Shawn Michaels, who got superplexed by Hercules, and Roma hated the splash from the top rope. Jake Roberts says fuck it and counts himself out by trying to scare Rick Martel with his snake. Great. Okay. Perfect. Um, let's just throw it all out there. 
uh, I'm gonna give it a B. Like it, 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 it lasted long, but at the same time, it's like, oh shit, um, it's a clean sweep. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. This is why I'm gonna go ahead and get my grade. This gets an F for one reason and one reason only. What is it? Why was this a clean sweep? Would why isn't Martell counted out the same as Jake the Snake? Because Martell wasn't a part of and there wasn't the legal man in the ring. Yeah, he was. It was Warlord, right? I'm pretty sure it was. I, I thought it was Martell. It was Warlord. Martell gets in there to interfere in the count and decide. Was that a re- did I read that wrong? Or not read, not read that wrong? Did I see that wrong? Jake the Snake Roberts like says, fuck it. You know what? You're going to gang up against me. I'm going to grab this snake and I'm going to just scare Rick Martell. Um, in the ring, as soon as it's done, uh, the rest of the team, Paul Roma and Hercules, just like look down at Warlord, who's still laying down on the floor. And it's like, dude, we won. It's like, what? Yeah, we won. We're good. And it's like, oh shit, okay. Um, he didn't think that Rick Marteau would be part of that because he saw him leave and you saw it like, okay, so Martel's out. But he wasn't the legal man. Which goes back to the same thing that I thought of when um, Hawk of LOD gets disqualified, but then the entire team gets disqualified. It's like, why? Hawk was the one that hit the referee and not the other two, three. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I just, I guess I just saw that wrong. I thought Martel was the legal man. That's why I was confused why he wasn't counted out. Yeah, the whole show was confusing because I was like, I was like, I had to watch it again. I was like, okay, so Martel's not tagged in. So basically, um, Roberts just go takes, uh, chases him to the back, and you leave Warlord on the ground and the facing up. It's like, okay, he was gonna pin him, but it didn't happen. Okay. Okay, well, I, I'm going to put two little humps on it and change it to a B. Oh, there you go. <laughs> really? Huh. I'm going to have to go back and watch that now. I don't, okay. I, okay. Yep, but, I'm going to watch that. But, uh, same as your question, why was the clean sweep, though? Like, why wasn't... Why was it an F? <laughs> like you have more than um just that clean sweep. Just the fact that it shouldn't have been a clean sweep, and I just thought I thought Martel was the legal man, so I was wondering why he wasn't booked or why he wasn't counted out, and I thought that was just stupid booking, and that'll get me an F just about every time. Oh, okay, so yeah. <laughs> so right, cool. I'll switch it to a B. It was it was entertaining. It was probably the best one of the night. Mm, yeah, kind of there. Uh, the next match, the Natural Disasters team consisting of Earthquake, Haku, Dino Bravo, and the Barbarian versus the Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Jim Duggan, Big Boss Man, and Tugboat. Um, blah, match lasted 14 minutes and 49 seconds. Haku replaced Ravishing Rick Root, who left WWF over a pay dispute. Doesn't matter because Big Bossman eliminates him first in three minutes. 
doesn't really care. Uh, Jim Duggan. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, cool. <laughs> Jim Duggan gets himself disqualified using for using his 4x4 lumber, which had ribbons on it and other, other troops stationed in Kuwait. Uh, Hulk Hogan defeated Dino Bravo, who I thought was going to stay longer. But, you know, Hulk says, no, brother, it's not going to work for me. Um... Uh, Earthquake eliminates Big Bossman, but then gets double counted out with Tugboat. Okay. Probably telling each other they will be a tag team champion soon, leaving Hulk Hogan the Barbarian for a one-on-one, which ends in three minutes. Uh, Bobby Heenan gets in the ring and throws him out of the ring. Uh, Hulkster sends the kids home happy, does his pose down, and I'm giving this match a C-. minus. I hated it. Like, the wrong people yeah. lost at the wrong time, and then you have, of course, Hogan. It's a Hogan match, so you just know. It's like, all right, you know he's going to win. Whatever. Did you catch commentary having to cover up the bad camera angle on the pile driver? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Barbar- Barbarian gave... Hogan, uh, just a regular old pile driver, and you could easily see Hogan do what he's supposed to do. Ed, where it never t- comes close to the mat, but you know, almost always when you see that, the cameras from the side are behind. You never see it from the front on, and they even showed it like in slow motion. I'm like, what? I mean, it wasn't slow motion, but it was no, it was regular motion, but it was just right there in front. And then you've got. You can obviously hear Roddy Piper getting a little irritated and Monsoon both. And they're like, well, Hogan countered a little bit. He pulled his head up at the last second. And then Piper's like, yeah, but he took the hit on his shoulders. That still had to hurt. Probably why he's still on the mat. I'm like, yeah, bad camera work. Whoever's running in the back should have switched to camera three instead of camera two. I didn't see that, but yeah. Like I just know that Hogan hates um taking pile drivers. Like well, he doesn't I mean, take him he doesn't take him like good. Like he did he took that Undertaker pile driver one, like oh, nah, <laughs> we're not doing that. Well he took this like, one. I mean he did exactly what the way he was supposed to do, but the camera just blatantly showed, you know, how he did it and it was they were trying to cover it on commentary, you know, it but it, it does. And, you know, but they should have just saw the pile driver coming, saw the angle, and switched to another camera, even if it's a bad angle, so you don't have to do that. There is a really cool video. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's from the night Punk comes back to a or comes back to wrestling in AEW. It's on, I believe it's on YouTube. It is not of, you know, him. It shows. the producer running the cameras telling you know, which camera switch to win and just how intricate that shot actually was it's a really cool video if you're out there listening go listen watch that and just see how awesome it is it takes to run a production truck during a show it's a really cool video but, yeah, they should have switched cameras here yeah they should have switched cameras here but um yeah same grade c minus c minus yeah. Movies and feelings. Pop pop. Bring your own popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. 
Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring Bring your own popcorn. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. I'm so used to the show ending as soon as Hogan finishes the match, but apparently that's not the case here. We still have ways to go. Even Monsoon says it to Roddy Piper. Like, we have ways to go, pal. Like, oh, man. Uh, the next segment is Mean Gene introduces the Macho King. This is the start of the feud between Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior, which ends at WrestleMania 7 in a career-ending match between them. Here, he's planting the seed that retirement is imminent. What do you think that of that? Is... Uh, Macho Man was far from done. Vince thought he was. Vince was wrong. <laughs> Vince is always wrong. Too bad he has to wait another five years to find a company to go to. Damn, right? Yeah. And it really, it threw me for a loop. There was a commercial for tomorrow night. It said, tune in tomorrow night for main event. And I'm like, wouldn't Raw be? Oh, wait a minute. It's nope. Raw's not a thing yet. Not a thing yet. Wrestling was just so different back then when you've got things like that. It's, it's a nice little turn back. If I could turn back time, like we did the, this morning at for an hour, <laughs> for an hour, that's great. And to go back and see some of these things, you know, the, the way I see wrestling every week when I on our then so there is no the WCW. Nineteen ninety, no, there is no Nitro. No, no, Nitro didn't show up to ninety-five. Raw wouldn't show up to ninety-three. That's right. Um, yeah, some other random local TV station that there probably took place around there. Well, you still well, have some still of the watching territories the... running. Yeah, there it is. Some. Um, freaking hell. The next segment, a Sergeant Slaughter promo that took forever. Oh, just shut up and get your chin in the ring. <laughs> so I, I went to go get something to drink. I come back, dude. You're still talking. Damn. I had forgot that this was the whole Iraqi sympathizer time for Sergeant Slaughter, and I was sitting there thinking, how did this man not get shot? Oh boy, WrestleMania. He almost did. <laughs> I did. 
never legitimately got shot in the back. Yes, that would have been crazy. Just yeah, I'm not wishing any ill on the guy, but you know, still that oh, at no, the time that... it was it was bad times back then. Yeah, I mean, he's just playing the part. I mean, it's not really him, but people didn't know that back then. There was kayfabe was still alive and well. I'll never understand how the man lived through this. Uh. And on that note, um, part of the mercenaries, Sergeant Slaughter, Boris Zukov, Sato, and Tanaka versus the Alliance, Nikolai Bolkov, Tito Santana, and Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch. 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 Butchered his name. Luke and Butch. Luke and Butch. Jesus, I hate saying the Bushwhackers' name. Cousin Luke, Cousin Butch. There it is. Um, Just call them the sheep herders and be done with it. There it is. <laughs> match lasted 10 minutes and 52 seconds. 48 seconds into the match, Tito Santana hits a flying forearm on, forearm on Boris Sukov and beats him with it. That's it. That's the match. <laughs> a minute after that, Saddle tags in Tanaka, who super kicks his own tag team partner in the face. Luke and Butch do the battering ram on Sato, and one of them pin him. Only thing is that he's not the legal man. Again, we go back to the whole thing back there with um, Rick Martel. Tanaka was the legal man, yet Sato gets the one that's pinned. So there's one of those botches of the night as well. Tito says, fuck it, does a flying forearm again and takes care of the other guy from the Orient Express. That flying forearm was a thing, huh? That's the same thing as the leg drop. Yeah, it was his, that was his finish. Uh, Sarge is by himself against a team of four who basically took care of all of them. I guess you could say he was a one-man army. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. No. Okay. Took out Nikolai Bolkov with a vicious elbow drop. Oh my god, can you believe that elbow drop? <laughs> uh, Luke and Butch both came in after and tried to finish off Sarge, but he was too difficult to work with. Sarge hits a gut-wrenching knee to the gut and pins Luke for the elimination. Butch is next and almost dies at the end of the Sarge when Slaughter hits that vicious clothesline for the pin and the win. Jeez, they're so vicious, man. That only leaves a Spanish hope, Tito Santana, who tries to do whatever he can, but he's no match because Sarge continues his high-flying. Counters his high-flying, I'm sorry. Uh, the match continues for another three minutes. General Adam finally comes into the ring, hits Tito on the back with a flag, which causes the DQ and gets Tito Santana to win. Here's my freaking... I hate why I hate this match so much. Shane McMahon is outside as a referee. Why didn't he just disqualify them? Why Why wait until the referee that's in the ring is like, oh, I'm coming too. Hey, Shane McMahon tells the referee, like, hey, General Anna just um, hit Tito with a flag. I'm like, all right, let me wake up. Let me wait until uh, Sarge puts Tito Santana to come with clutch. Ring the bell. Have Sarge think he's the winner, but not really. Tito Santana's the winner. It swerves the crowd. I mean, I kind of get it was a little clunky, but I get it. They wanted the crowd to boo and, oh man, no, he won. Wait, he lost. Yay! 
Uh, I'm so glad that match was fast. I think the reason for that was because Slaughter uses a lot of time for that 10-minute promo. Yeah, we're definitely... You can tell this one was a little rushed over the others, and we've got another one left, so get in there, get her done. Like, damn it, Sarge, why are you taking forever for this promo? Matt, take it home. It's 10 minutes. You guys get 10 minutes, you're done. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tito Santana gives fucking one of them a flying elbow face, a forearm, and eh, blame Sarge. I'm giving that promo a D, giving the match a B minus. I didn't rate the promo because, quite honestly, I didn't watch them. I skipped yeah. and just watched the matches. <laughs> like, I Especially forgot what he said. I forgot what he said. It's like I, it started off as him saying that he's part of that, and then he, as he kind of went on, I was like, I'm thirsty. I'm going to get something to drink. I come back. He's still talking. It's like, shit, dude. What? What are you saying? Yeah, I like part of um, it. Where? Yeah, I like part Where's of that, that what crowd at? <laughs> yeah. I'll thank God nowhere near anywhere. I don't care how bad it is. I'd rather hear a bad promo than one. Yeah. But as far as the match goes, this was one of the better ones tonight. Um I ended up also gave it a B minus. It wasn't it wasn't terrible, wasn't good. It was it was there. Wasn't wasn't too bad. After that we see a promo from the visionaries with Ted DiBiase as they get ready to face Hulk Hogan, Warrior, and Tito Santana. Visionaries brag about how they are a cohesive team, and here comes DiBiase to ruin that for them, who was the only one from his team to score the win anyway. Um, here's what hilarious about this team. Hercules is on the same team as DiBiase. Two years ago, Hercules was part of the Heaton family, and Bobby Heaton tried to sell his contract to DiBiase, who wanted to use Herc as his <laughs> personal slave. Herc wasn't having it, so they made that into a feud. Two years later, fast forward to this night. I guess everyone forgot about that storyline. Not me. Not us fans. We know everything. <laughs> We're smart. We remember everything. Like, what? Dude, you were just in a feud with him. He wanted to be your he wanted to be your master and shit. Now you're working with him? Okay. Um, now they're working together. Either way, you can't trust DiBiase in any team unless it's for his own personal gain, which makes him number one heel of all time. After that, it's reason number two why this pay-per-view is so fucking memorable. Uh, let's... We're here, aren't we? Yeah, let's take you down to Mean Gene Ogerland, who is standing next to the egg that's been showcased all night. Oh, the stupid egg hatches and it is the gobbly gooker. <laughs> um, everybody is booing like they're expecting something bigger. Uh, word has it that, you know, two people were, um, I guess two people were supposed to, were rumored to be in it. And thank God they weren't. One of them was The Undertaker. The other one was Ric Flair, who shows up later down the road with the World Heavyweight Championship. But, you know, they were so relieved that to hear that you're not going to be in the egg. It's like, oh, thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> Shout out to Hector Guerrero for being the sacrificial lamb to wear the stupid suit and come out of the stupid egg. We will not see him again until WrestleMania X7 in 2001 when he participated in the gimmick battle royal. 
Uh, I didn't give it a grade. Said fuck it. That's enough of that. Let's get to the main event. <laughs> I think we all know what our grades would have been. But <sighs> watching this segment, this might might very very. I think what very doesn't rule was Mean Gene Okerlund. It might be the playmate of the month. And the crowd freaking yeah. blew. They thought for a second, <laughs> hey, hot blonde might come out of this thing. Nope. Nope. And nope. No. Not at all. So, and when it was a giant, it was a man dressed up as a giant turkey, they were booing. They hated it. But... Piper and Monsoon were still, look at the crowd. They're on their feet. They're loving this. And you can hear, boo, boo in the background. I'm like, oh, not good. This isn't good. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was bad. It was very, very bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were waiting for Lorraine Olivia. <laughs> was that year's Playboy's Playmate of the Month. Um, but I guess that didn't happen. Yeah, poor Hector. Poor Hector. Great talent. Always one of the blonde. underrated Guerreros, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was. I'll take Hector over Chavo any day. Oh. Damn, shots fired. I am not a big Chavo Guerrero fan. Never have been. Always thought he was overrated. So, we get the team of Ted DiBiase and the Visionaries, Rick Martel, Warlord Hercules, and Paul Roma taking on, I'm just going to call it the Hulkamaniacs, because <laughs> that's what it really was, Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Tito Santana. Hulkamaniacs promo, I don't care if Ultimate Warrior is WWF champion here. I forgot, what? he was the WWF champion. You know, as your armchair booker the year, if I... If I'm as your armchair booker of the year looking at this, I would have just had Slaughter win that match and then jobbed him out quick here to Hogan and Warrior. Because Tito Santana got like a sore thumb because you're going to be gone really quickly and it, he's not going to be surviving. It didn't make yeah. a lot of sense to me. Uh, I would rather, rather just had Warrior. Got- at, just had the egos on the other side versus all the heels. Yeah, pretty much it. It's like Tito stuck in the shadow. Like, damn, dude. <laughs> uh, he couldn't even get a word in his pro- in this pro- in that promo that they did. This is Hulk Hogan and uh, Ultimate Warrior, and then you see Tito's freaking face stick out. Like, what about me, man? I want to talk. No, you're hurt. Don't worry about it, man. We got you, brother. <laughs> we got you. Yeah. This poor guy is paid from that um, shot in the back of his of his back, and every Spurs is like still high on coke. Hogan's all like, "All right, man, let's go." <laughs> uh, but the only thing Tito did here was struck the first hit. As soon as the match started again, he jumped at the Warlord and eliminated him in 28 seconds with a flying forearm. Uh, Paul Roma jumps in, tags DiBiase, who hits the snake eyes on the top rope, and pins him for the elimination. 
Done. Tito's done. He's over with. Uh, everyone takes their turn on Hogan, who actually sells in this match until he decides to bury Paul Roma. He no-sells the splash, hits the flying clothesline, and gets pinned for the elimination. Up next is Rick Martel, who thinks he has a chance at Hogan by attacking him from behind. Another person that no-sells the entire match is Ultimate Warrior, which is probably the reason why Martel says, screw this, I'm counting myself out. Like, they're not doing shit for me, I'm just gonna go. Bye. Next up is DiBiase, who continues rivalry with Hogan, but Hogan says no, hits the leg drop on DiBiase for the pin and elimination. Hogan tags Warrior, who jumps in to ta- shoulder tackle Hercules, followed by the splash and the win. The top two talent in the WWF win the match without Tito Santana because they're not sharing this fucking spotlight. Um, it was fast. I love that it was fast. Unfortunately, we had to give it a grade, so I'm giving it a B minus. It was short, and the fact that they had to take out Tito Santana that quickly is my reason for the minus. Did you say B minus? Yeah. Okay, C, we're pretty far. B minus around there. Okay, so we're pretty far <laughs> off on this one. I gave this one a D. This was the egomaniacs running wild. I didn't like it. Warrior sold absolutely nothing this entire match. Even as champion, somebody hit you. You got to sell a little bit. He didn't. Hogan, for his credit here, was selling a little bit, especially on that back. Um, But still, this was, you knew who was going to win. You knew the outcome. This was never in doubt. Um, The only entertaining thing in this was DiBiase playing the chicken heel and I didn't like yeah. this at all. Like, quick was the only probably saving grace of the thing. But it was just one of those, you knew what was going to happen before it happened. Didn't care for it. And it gets a D. Thank God, thank God, this match is over. Uh, the whole favorite is over, actually. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Um, so, what did you think of the pay-per-view? <sighs> I'm glad I started our our podcast in 1996 and not 1990. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank Nick Opalewski once again. Thank you. <laughs> Is Nick a fan of your? For me, you but making you watch this. I'm just kidding, Nick. If you, and to each his own. If you like, if you like Survivor Series matches, match. I can see this would be pretty entertaining. I personally don't, never have, doesn't matter. And especially when there's one, two, three, six of them, that's just a little much for me. I didn't like the whole... The winners get to move on to the final round. Um, yeah, it would have been three, so it was three versus five. Uh, yeah, I didn't care for that part at all. Let's that just, was weird Let's me. just call it two versus four. Two versus five around there, because yeah, that's what it really was. Tito Santana, yeah. Tito Santana was just there for fodder. Like, all right, you're gonna take the first fall because none of us are gonna do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think we and yeah. Versus DiBiase for the title and main event. So, see how that works out. <sighs> oh, wow. Oh man. Um, on that note, would you grade the pay-per-view? Um, it averaged out to a C. Um, but you know what? 
this did have the two classic moments that we all remember. One good, one hilariously bad. But so I'm going to actually average to a C, but I'm actually going to bump it up to a C plus just on some bonus points for Undertaker. Bonus points. Yeah, pretty much. It was real um, close to a C plus when I averaged it out. Yeah. Um, would you take it to school to lend the videotape to your friends? What match are you advertising to have them watch? And what match or segment are you having them avoid? If it's 1990, I am not taking this. I'm saying skip it. Watch main event tomorrow night. <laughs> okay. If it's if it's tomorrow in 2022, I'm telling them to go watch the debut of The Undertaker and The Gobbledygooker just to laugh their asses off. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, yeah, uh, this guy named The Undertaker showed up. Yeah, that's pretty much about it. I'm not letting you tape. You're not even recording it at all. Like I, well, you have to record it, but at the same time, it's like you're burning the tape. You're recording something else over it. Like, oh, nah, yeah, you don't is, need it. <laughs> yeah, this is 1990. I'm, I, I hit stop record and just light this thing on fire, and pray <laughs> to God it's the last copy in history. <laughs> We're never watching this. A few weeks nah, later, I, you go to Blockbusters. There, I, I jest. It's not that bad, but. I've seen worse. I have seen a lot worse because I had to sit through All Out last year. Oh, my God. Um, last year I, or this past year? Um, I think it was – what year did they have that stupid cage match with the Young Bucks and the thumbtack shoes? Oh. Was that I 21? I, I don't remember. Whatever pay per view that oh, was, I actually wow. watched it, and it yeah. was what's what's a Spanish word for shit? Garbage. <laughs> Whatever. Pick a language, find your worst word. That's what that pay per view was. Caca. Oh, <laughs> uh, pretty yeah, that's pretty much it right there. Um, that was it, guys. Let's all thank Nick Opalewski for sending us this request and having us watch Survivor Series 1990. I'm pretty sure he may have wanted our reaction to The Undertaker's debut, indeed a ham hock, um, unless he wanted uh, to react to the gobbledygooker, which fast forward through the whole segment where Gooker and Mean Gene Okerlund did something in the ring. Like, I, okay, he comes out of the fucking egg, and that's it. And I was like, all right, there it is. I'm done. Fast forward. I guess there was more to it. I saw that was just it. Um, I also want to thank Drew for coming on to the show and reviewing the older generation era. Drew, I know you're doing your podcast and going back to watch the Attitude Era, but where else can people find you at? All right. Well, we are, of course, the Attitude Era Wrestling Review Podcast. All of your major streaming partner on Twitter. Well, it's mainly just me. Twitter and Instagram are at AEWR pod. Um, we're, yeah, Twitter. I do Twitter mostly. Instagram, I'll post like some clips from the episodes. And that. Yeah, he's pretty much on Twitter. We go back and forth on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we're, we're around there. 
thank you for listening to the show and supporting us. I will have his podcast and other links in the show notes. You can find us on all other sort of social platforms at our linktree, linktree.com forward slash from under the apron. It has a link to our network, our Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, socials, plus our good pods, Spotify, and iTunes accounts, where you can listen to us as well. Leave us a comment or a five-star review, which helps us be discovered by other fans of wrestling and podcasts. Check out the show notes for links to the podcast trailers that you heard on this episode, as well as AEWR podcast with Drew. Send us a message of your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, readings, or requests. Requests now, I guess we're doing requests. By email, it is from under the apron at gmail.com, and I will do my best to get to them and answer accordingly. Just ask our good old friend Nick. Can't wait to see what he requests for next. Also, click on the link tree if you want to support our podcast. So far, we have a super few supporters. I'm making it a habit for those few supporters to know any updates I make with the podcast or new episodes. They're kind of like our VIP wrestling geeks. They get the over-the-guardrail treatment, if you will. They immediately know when our shows are posted or when we plan on recording. Thank you for listening and being a huge part of our community, and have a great weekend. I'm Ernie. This is Drew. We don't have to do the count here. <laughs> so <laughs> three, two, one. Yeah, thanks for that one. Um, but we can do. We can also say so long and good night, Drew. Count us out. One, two, three. Ding, ding, ding. Peace.